0: I am so excited to speak to you. I am so honoured to share the first little part of um tonight, and my message and what we're talking about um the beginning is being a catalyst. Everyone, say catalyst. catalyst. Say I am. am. Come on, say it with some guts. I am. I am, I am. I am. a catalyst. And Now, catalyst, does anyone want to try and explain like in a chemical reaction or a science experiment in chemistry, what is a catalyst? Does anyone want to try and put up their hand, tell me what a catalyst is? I know some people know. Kaz? Hey, let's give it up for Kaz. So pretty much... Yeah, in in a science experiment that a catalyst actually speeds up a reaction, okay? So it's actually a catalyst, the definition is a catalyst is a chemical that accelerates a chemical reaction. So in a chemical in a in a science experiment when you add um a catalyst to this it speeds something, it makes something happen, it sparks something. It actually makes something that was impossible actually possible. And so as women, when we're looking at being solutions, when we're looking at being um, a a body of women who um, are motivated by Jesus and motivated by love, we actually have this opportunity to rise up and be a catalyst in our generation. We actually have this opportunity to be solution-focused women, not self-focused. How often can we be so self-focused? Like I don't know about you, but like it's like, One of the girls before was like, oh, getting the angle right, like to me. And I'm like, yeah, you got to get the angle right, you know, like with Instagram, Facebook, whatever. But my heart is as much as I try to get the angle right sometimes, my heart is that I wouldn't be self-focused I would actually be solution focused. And the reason being is that with a catalyst in particular is that with a catalyst, when it speeds up something, when it does it, when it sparks something, when something shifts or changes, like I was saying before that that impossible situation actually can become possible when a catalyst gets involved and it actually speeds up something. And that's where the message of brave love is where realizing as women Again, we're not in any way a feminist movement. Again, we we need both guys and girls joining together. But we are saying that women, you have a voice. Girls, in this room right now, there's a reason you're sitting on this chair right now is because I believe that God has sent me to Melbourne, Australia, really briefly on a quick whirlwind trip to actually tell you that there is something burning on your heart. There's something in your hand right now that God is saying, I give you full permission to be a catalyst. I give you full permission with what is burning on your heart. I give you full permission tonight to step into those dreams, to step into that moment. But Really, it is just a simply saying, yes, I will arise as a catalyst. And the perfect, most perfect example of being a catalyst is actually a girl in the Bible or a woman in the Bible. And often we look at the story of Esther and Esther is incredible. She is a catalyst, right? Right. Born for such a time as this. How many times has that been quoted? Born for such a time as this. But in Judges, there's actually a woman that we want to highlight. And really the message of brave love was birthed is actually the woman, Deborah. Everyone say Deborah. All right, we're in Australia. So if I was in America, they'd say Deborah. But Aussie women, let's say Debbie. Everyone say Debbie. 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 All right, our girl Debbie. We find our girl Debbie in the Bible in Judges 4 and 5. And so who's actually i'd love to get a show of hands who's actually um read the story of deborah um in the bible cool who really is like actually i'm not really sure who deborah is great awesome personally before um i went overseas and joined circuit riders and learned more about brave love i'd like kind of heard about deborah but more so esther i'd heard about more so maybe mary or something like that but i was like deborah but quickly i want to give you an overview I'm going to challenge you, to have some homework. I would love you to go. It's a really simple story, really short, actually in the, um, Judges 4 and 5. Go and read it for yourself because it's an amazing story, but I want to quickly summarize it. Okay. So basically the story of Deborah is that Deborah um, lived in Israel. Okay. So Deborah lived in Israel and she, um, in her time, there was oppression going on. It actually, the Bible says in Judges 4 and 5, that there was oppression of 20 years. What had happened was that Israel had been, taken over by a man called Sisera. Everyone say Sisera. So Sisera, I love the callbacks. It's just fun. Just keeps you engaged. Keeps me engaged. So basically Sisera, okay, had been oppressing the Israelites for 20 years. The Bible actually says that there was over 900 iron chariots that would go out. And in other words, what had happened was that they were taking the Israelites. So they, they were totally Gentile um, people coming in and they were oppressing the Israelites. What they were doing is they were raping women. They were taking um, the men and murdering them. They were doing like literally barbaric things to the Israelites and what in that time and in that day, it actually says that um in the Bible, it says in Judges that the highways were closed, that you couldn't go in, you couldn't go out. So if you were an Israelite w- woman living at the time, you actually had to travel on the byways. You actually had to find an alternate route because you were so scared to go down the highway. Um, if we think of a highway down here in Melbourne, I don't know. But basically they, it was all shut because what would happen is that these sister of the army would be coming against and they would try to rape you. They would steal your children. They would do, again, barbaric things to the point where like Israel got to a point after 20 years of oppression and they cried out. They said, God, would you send us someone? God, would you deliver us? We need help from this oppression. I don't know about you, but the more I travel and the more that I see our generation, I notice that there is oppression everywhere in our generation. It doesn't matter who it is. You could walk out down the street and there's a girl selling her body. You could literally go online and see another girl that's committed suicide. I don't know about you and I don't know what's stirring your heart, but there is oppression everywhere in our generation right now. But the same with Deborah or good old Deborah, Debbie, Debbie is that basically there was oppression of 20 years. And Deb Deborah, I keep calling her Debbie now. Deborah, she actually was a judge and a prophetess. So at the time, she was actually a predominant leader, and she actually would judge the affairs of Israel. So judges at the time would discern, they would judge, they would um yeah, judge the affairs of the people and give um a sound, hopefully a sound judgment thankfully Deborah actually had relationship with God that the Bible says that she was a prophetess so she would sit under the palm they actually call it it's the palm of Deborah and she would judge the affairs of people after hearing um from the Lord and so from that as people would come to her, as the Israelites Israelites would come to her, she would hear day in and day out the oppression. She'd hear day in and day out what was going on in her time. And to me, I think that was a way of God when she was sitting under her palm tree, just hanging out, just doing her job day to day. I feel like there was something that was stirring on the inside, being like, you know what? I'm so sick of hearing about this. I'm so sick of hearing about the rape. I'm so sick of hearing about what's going on in my time time. Someone's got to do something. So under this palm, I don't know why I I feel like it's a palm tree. I hope it looks like a palm tree. Anyway, pretty much she sits under this palm. She hears from the Lord and the word of the Lord comes that she needs to send out to call out to a guy called Barak. Anyone having a baby here? Barak could be a good name. Anyway, Barak, write it down. Note it later. All right. Anyway, Basically, Barak, she, she hears a voice of the Lord that says, go and call out to Barak and tell him to rally 10,000 troops to go and defeat Sisera. And she calls out to Barak, basically says, all right, mate, Australian version, mate, you got to go. The Lord is calling you to actually go and actually stop this oppression. But what I love, I love this story so much because I'm like, we can take from this because what happened was in that moment, Barak says, okay, I hear that you're telling me because again, she's a prophetess. So she'd hear the voice of the Lord that God is telling me to go. But he says, he says, I will go, but I will only go, Deborah, if you go with me. Now, she had this moment in time where she could have honestly, and this is where I really want to like kind of land a little bit or just get us to sit in for a second. She had this moment where she could sit under the palm tree and keep doing her day in and day out. She could keep doing that. The word of the Lord wasn't for her to go necessarily, it was for Barak to go. But Barak knew she had a relationship with the Lord and said, I'm going to go, but would you go with me? So she had this moment and in in Judges 5, it talks about how she said to herself, she said, Deborah, she said, awake, 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 Deborah. It's time to awake. It actually, the Bible says she had to awaken herself. And in that moment, I don't know about you, but if I got called to go out to literally a war, to go and fight or to go and see literally with my life, potentially on the line, that's pretty scary. She literally, like an Esther moment, saying like, you know what, I could literally die. But in that moment of decision, she decided, you know what, Barack, I'm going to go with you. But the coolest thing is that because of that, she says, but now the victory isn't going to be to a man. It's actually going to be the victory of the Lord is going to be through a woman. And so she ends up going, yes. Amen. She ends up going and then um, long story short, because of time, I'll just make it quick. But basically she ends up going um, the, uh, because the Lord's in it, the whole army of Sisera turns against themselves. They end up killing themselves, which is crazy in itself. Literally, they end up going killing themselves and Sisera then runs. He's the only man left. He runs, 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 runs. runs. He ends up running to um, another woman's house called JL, another great name if you're having a baby. JL Anyway, she literally goes, he goes to the house of JL, and the Bible is a little bit gory and it's a bit interesting that what happens, but basically Sisera goes inside JL's tent. So JL is a woman. So it goes inside um, this woman's tent and basically he says to her, he's like, can you please hide me? Like if anyone comes to this tent, please, 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 please hide me. Do not do not let them know that I'm here cuz Sisera obviously was one man left he was the commander of the army and he was like you know what I don't want to die ever all my men have died please don't let me die and she's like she's a smart woman she's like yeah sure come on in so she like lets him come in he goes to sleep right he falls asleep she tucks him in makes him like probably made him a coffee or something i don't know back in the day they had coffee surely um, tucks him in he goes to bed and then JL being a woman of the lord Two actually then gets a tent peg while he's sleeping and while he's sleeping puts it through his temple and Sisera dies. I know, isn't that disgusting? <laughs> isn't the Bible, some people are like the Bible is boring. I'm like, are you serious? Have you read this book? <laughs> like, <laughs> it is not boring, pretty much. So basically with that, with that moment is like not only did Deborah had to awaken and arise but also JL did as well and it ended up being that the whole army was defeated including Sisera, the commander, the person who was oppressing these people for so many years, for 20 years. And there was a victory in the land because one woman, one single woman actually arose and became a catalyst, actually said, you know what? I'm so sick of hearing about things. I've got to actually do something. So I don't know what's on your heart, but I know that a few of you amazing women wrote who saw the... Um, our little sign on the door, but it says, what is burning in your heart? And I felt like I wanted to read these out because I was like, there's so many things that God has put like on your heart in particular. Like we're all different. Like for me personally, I actually have a really big passion to see the sex trade like changed and like really see oppression cease that way. For you, it might be poverty. For you, it might be literally going to that person at your work. who's like wanting to commit suicide. But something, God's given us all something, like Deborah. And so I just wanted to read them out because, like, maybe maybe you can relate to this. So what is burning in your heart? Burning to see girls confident in who they are. Who would agree with that? Amen. To see the youth of this generation passionate for his word and for salvation. Come on. Women living in freedom from shame and from guilt. Who would say our generation needs to be set free from shame and guilt? Amen, come on. To see high schools and university students experience the fullness of life through Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Who else would say right now that they burn for university and high school students? Wow, that's quite a few of you. To love on those who don't think they deserve love. To see those who have never heard the name of Jesus come to know him girls, that's wild. And I'm sure there's so many. I know that um, if we had more time, you could write on that. But girls, I wanted to leave you and and I'm going to touch very quickly on my story. It's going to be very, very short because I want to give grace and um, the guys enough time to just share their heart. But basically with this moment of being a catalyst, I actually had to come to a point in my life where I was just like, am I going to be like Deborah really and just keep doing what I'm doing with my life? Again, we all are called to different things. So whether it be at the at work, whether it be for me now being a full-time missionary, whatever that looks like, God's given us something, right? So I had a moment in my life where I could sit down and stay or I could actually arise and awaken myself to become a catalyst. So this moment happened when um, I grew up knowing Jesus I did grow up, I had, a, I had a relationship with him from when I was really young, but what had happened when I was seven years old is actually my parents split and um, so they divorced, but basically I was told that what I didn't know, I was told that I was actually going on a holiday. I was living in New South Wales at the time, I'm Queensland girl, but grew up um, for a short period in New South Wales. And then when my parents um, told me, well, they didn't tell me they were splitting, but they told me I was going on a holiday. So I was like, yes, Queensland sun. Like, just want to say, like, I left Queensland at 31 degrees. Like, I don't know what's going on with Melbourne, but it's like nine degrees or something ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, so I was so excited because I was going from New South Wales to Queensland. And I was like, yes, like hot weather. It's amazing. It's going to be awesome. But this holiday turned into a holiday that I never came back. My dad actually when I was seven through violence actually abused me and we actually had to leave for our protection. My my parents, um, even though my mum and dad married as Christians and my mum loves Jesus, my dad I would say had a religious experience, not a relationship with Jesus. And he abused my mum for 11 years straight and then the abuse came to me and so we, I, we were plucked out and told that we had to leave. So we ended up going and um, through that I feel like the injustice that had happened in my life, the injustice through abuse, the injustice that like really the enemy caused, God didn't cause it. Again, he's a good, good father. But what had happened with that, the injustice of then being raised in a single parent family home, going through abuse, going through divorce, it did something to me. It literally did something where I was just like, I'm so sick of hearing another girl who's going through an eating disorder, which I went through. I'm so, I'm so sick of hearing about another divorce or I'm so sick of hearing this, this and this. It could go down the line. So then what happened at the age of 19 years of age, I got a word over my life that I would go to college campuses, literally at church. This random person came up to me. He's like, you're going to go to college campuses and fire and revival are going to sweep through campuses. I was like, woohoo! I'm gonna go to America! So, on that, I tried to leave. I literally tried to leave at 19 years of age and go to America. And God said, uh uh-uh. uh. He said, I've given you a word and I will fulfill that. But He said, not right now. He said, He said, Madison, what's in your hand? I was like, What do you mean? And over this period of time, instead of leaving, even though I desperately wanted to go to America, I mean, I tell you what, I tried to book a plane ticket like that many times to that many different ministries. I was like, I'm gonna go over here, I'm gonna go over here, I'm gonna do this, and God said, No, 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 wait. He said, The grass isn't greener on the other side. He said, You're gonna get there, and then you're gonna want something else. He said, I want you to be faithful right now, and with that, and for time's sake, I want to make sure I'm honoring that. But basically. So much had happened in my life and I kept meeting people that were going through so much. And even people who said growing up, they would um, help meet needs. Like even in the church, they're like, oh yeah, we'll help meet your needs. And then they ended up being like, oh, we'll just pray for you and never met those needs. And even that did something. I was like, ah, I'm like, I've had to help raise my family. I should have never been put in that position, but God did something in me in that time. And so I had this moment being like, you know what? I might not yet be in the dream of going to America and like doing the college campus thing. I didn't even know how that looked. I didn't even know about circuit riders at 19. But from that, what happened was God said to me, he's like, Mads, I want you to literally find the need in the community. I want you to meet it. I want you to fundraise it. I want you to get a team together. And I want you to sit with me and I want you to ask me what that need is and literally go and do it. I was like, what? So I ended up birthing this thing called Anchor and Heart and basically was that we had um, a heart for our generation, but we were anchored in Jesus. So with that, I'm not joking. I literally, I would sit with Jesus and I'd be like, okay, God, I'm in my room right now. Like what's the need in the community? And like, I would like look around and I would like, maybe in my week I'd notice like let's say one project I did actually was in Melbourne city and it was um, I'd hopped off the plane, um, moved here, hopped off the plane. And there was like, I noticed all the homeless people on the street in the CBD. And I was like, what is going on right now like why is there so many homeless people on the cbd i remember sitting with god after like him breaking my heart even just walking around the cbd he's like that's what i want you to do i want you to go he gave me a picture and the picture was of the cbd and he said i want you to go to every street on every corner of the cbd and i want you to tell them about me and i want you to then get a team together and meet needs practically and i was like okay i have no idea i'm not joking i'd literally just moved to melbourne I didn't even know these amazing girls who were sitting in front of me from Planet Shakers. I had no idea. And the ones at the back. Um, And with that, so what I did was I rallied a team together. And I say this with the glory of God. I rallied a team together. We fundraised, but we practically went out to the streets. We went two by two to every street on every single corner of the CBD and told them about Jesus. But then on top of that, we gave them hygiene packs. Because I started meeting some homeless people and basically they said um, that, yes, they need a bed, yes, they need a shower, yes, they need to get off the street, but they actually don't have, women in particular, don't have clean hygiene. They don't have, like, you know, tampons, pads, all those things that, like, as women we need. Do you think that, like, now every single homeless person's off the street? I wish. But you know what? I still had to step into a moment of like, God, if I don't step up and do something, then right now there's not a whole lot going on. At least I can be a part of the solution. I think sometimes, and I just feel to speak from my heart right now, I feel like the Lord on this, sometimes we don't do anything because we think we have to totally solve the problem. What would it look like if you, whatever's burning on your heart, like the girls are saying like, oh, the high schools, the colleges, Whatever it is, what if we would just be a part of the piece to say, you know what, I might not be able to do all of it. I might not be able to see the whole thing change yet, but what would it look like if I just be a part of the piece of the puzzle that God wants to use to bring the gospel, to bring salvation? It doesn't. You don't have to have a massive plan. I want to break down the bigness of a calling or a bigness of like, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to have all my ducks in the row. Seriously, girls, you've got something beautiful in your hands. Would you just arise like Deborah as a catalyst and say, you know what? I'm going to say yes, whatever it is. And the reason I'm here, if the only thing you hear from me is that you have someone right now who believes in you. You have someone right now saying, go girl, go get it, go awaken that dream on the inside. Because I don't want I don't want to look at the Bible anymore and be like, whoa, Esther, Deborah, they're amazing. I want one day, hopefully, that my life would be when it be looked upon be like Madison just loved the one in front of her. But she was willing to step into the cold, the hard, the dark places, whatever that looks like. If I'm being so real and this is vulnerable moment, but sometimes you get no recognition. No one says your name. There's no like lights to you or anything like that. And that's, I think that's the gospel though. I'm over the fame. I'm over the trying to get the stage. I'm over trying to do something. I just want to see more people come to know him. I just want it, whatever that looks like. So girls, I just wanted faith to arise tonight. Feel like there's something in your hand. Like God said to me, Mads, what's in your hand? Karen, what's in your hand? Anne's. What's in your hand? So just, can we just take one moment? Can we just close your eyes for a sec? Let's just ask Jesus. Girls, what's burning in your heart right now? What is God asking you to actually step into? And it's going to be scary. i tell you what, it's going to be scary, but it's going to be awesome. Jesus, I just pray right now for these women. I just thank you that they're catalysts. I thank you, Jesus, that they are women of solution. God, would you just speak simply just the way you did to me? What is in their hand right now? Where do they need to step into faith and out of doubt? Where do they need to say, yes, God, you can, you will use my life? Thank you, Jesus. With that, if there's anything God speaks to you, write it on your phone, write it in your notepad tonight, write down. But with that, I'd love to... Um, Bring up Grace real quick. Let's just welcome Grace.
1: Seriously, fire, firecracker. Thanks. Wow, isn't Mads just, oh, she's just incredible. Can we just give her another round of applause? Sorry, guys. (laughs) Guys, honestly, I am so excited that this is even happening. Like we have been praying, we've been dreaming, we've literally, it's just, God is just so, so good, right? And um, just what Mads was talking about before, about, you know, what's on your hand, what is it that's burning on your heart, that was something that seriously awakened something in me when I went to Hawaii. Um, I think being a part of the Brave Love track, when someone actually asked what is it that is burning on your heart, I had this moment where I was like, yeah you know what is burning on my heart like what is it that I'm passionate about and in that moment um, like just then when you asked God I'm sure that he highlighted something to you but the story of Deborah right it just amazes me that she literally changed a whole nation like a whole nation was changed just because of her yes just because she was willing to obey what God said to her and I think it's easy to like look at stories and like hear of stories, even like hearing Mad's testimony or like hearing the story of Deborah and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Look at this fiery woman. Look at this wild woman. I can't believe she changed a nation, blah, blah, blah. Like you just think, wow. But then when you actually think about it, like the secret, the key to it all, the key to her being a catalyst and changing her nation, activating her nation was her intimacy with Jesus like literally it was just her intimacy with Jesus. Deborah was known for her closeness with God. Like the reason why people respected her so much and listened to her was because they saw that relationship that she had with the Lord. Like they saw her day in and day night, day day in and day out sitting under that palm tree, conversing with the Lord, dealing with their matters, and they knew she was a woman of God. They knew she was a woman that operated in love. Like imagine if she was a judge that was awful to you. Like she was like, oh yeah, da da da. But like she was mean. Everyone saw that she was loving. Everyone saw the fruit of her life. And because of that, because of that, people listened to her. And because of that, her whole nation was activated. And the crazy thing about intimacy with Jesus is when you, when you spend time with him, when you actually get to know him every day, his character and nature just flows through you. So once you, um, in the book, it, it talks about um, intimacy says into me see. So when you think about the word intimacy, like when you look into Jesus, what is it that you see? Like when I look at Jesus, I see love. When I look into Jesus, I see selflessness. When I look at Jesus, I, I look at humility, you know, and once you see his love for you, you step out of that, that guarded, overprotected love And you just love freely because that's what Jesus did to you. It's okay if you love people um, and and that fear of like getting hurt or that fear of rejection or whatever, that's all gone because you've experienced the love that Jesus has for you. So in turn, you're able to love other people. And that's honestly just rocked my world because that's hard. Like it's hard to look at someone that's hurt you and go, I love you and I want the best for you. But because of Jesus, that's possible. And if you want to see a nation change, if you want to see a community change, you need to operate out of love. Like you can't just go around doing whatever and expecting people to, you know, get on board with you. You need to operate out of love. And just another thing, just very quickly, sorry guys, out of intimacy with Jesus is when uh, with Deborah, she was so confident in God's voice and what God had commanded her to do because she knew his voice. Like I read the story and I was just thinking like Mads kind of highlighted it, you know, she literally risked her whole life. She was a woman, like she was a wife, she was a judge, but God had given her direction, like a military direction. Like you'll read the story and you'll be mind blown because God literally asked her, to command like the military people to go and it seemed impossible like like the head of military didn't even want to go unless Deborah went with her yet Deborah knew God's voice and because she knew God's voice because of her closeness with him she was able to go and so for me I'm just like what is it that God has put on your hand but what is it that he's saying to you specifically you can't You can't go around and change things if you don't actually know what it is that he's given you, what he's saying to you. So, girls, like, I know it's, like, so easy to look at the big picture. Me as well, I'm like, oh, like, I just want to see revival. I just want to see high schools, like, changed. I just want to see universities set free. Like, oh, I want to see Australia, like, for Jesus. You know, I want to see it all. But what is it that God's given me? And what is it that God's asking me to do? And ultimately, we can't do any of that if we're not intimate with Jesus if we don't know his voice, if we don't know what it is that he's asking us to do. So just with that, I just encourage you guys to spend time with him every day. You know, it says in the Bible, "My sheep know, um, his sheep know his voice. We, we have that invitation, we have that opportunity to actually know him, who he is, to experience his love and once we actually know who he is, there's going to be an outflow effect. There's going to be a huge ripple effect. We're not going to do things. We're not going to catch up with people. We're not going to make events. We're not going to do all that stuff just cause or just, I don't know, just, just cause. But we're actually going to do it because we love people, because we've experienced Jesus' love for us. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm just going to hand it back to Matt.
0: You can. Wow. That's awesome. That's so, so cool. I just love that like about the key because I think sometimes we, again, that thing of being like, whoa, I want to do so much, but like the key is just spending time with Jesus. And um, again, I, I don't want to just assume everyone who walked in here does know God, but um, we, we do want to give an opportunity a bit later just for you to like, if you've never had, again, not a religious experience but if you've never had a relationship if you don't even know what that's like then then stepping into that moment is the most beautiful thing it it changed a girl who was abused and broken literally to be like whoa like my life's changed now and now I get to use that hardship to actually share the love of Jesus with others so we'll take a bit of a moment and a bit later but um soon the worship team's gonna come back and hang out with us but pretty much as much as there's a catalyst as much as there's a key that we have um, intimacy with Jesus, um, one of the last points that we have tonight that we want to share with you is actually there's something called the inhibitor. Everyone say inhibitor. Inhibitor. So as much as a catalyst, so when a catalyst gets involved again, it speeds up a reaction. There's actually something that shifts and changes. But when an inhibitor gets involved in a chemical reaction, um, something different happens. So an inhibitor is any substance that interferes with the chemical reaction or growth. So I just want to read that again. An inhibitor is any substance that interferes with a chemical reaction or growth. I don't know about you, but I know that there's been so many different things that have tried to come against me to try and inhibit me or in other words, stop me actually rising and being a catalyst, actually rising and saying yes to, um, to what God had asked me what was in my hand and what I need to step into action. So um, pretty much with that, the, the inhibitor moment for Deborah was um, the Bible says at one point that there was like, um, there was some men, there were some different people in the army that were actually talking about like, oh, should we go? Should we not? I'm not really sure. And there was a lot of um, talk they said around the campfire. I know about you, but sometimes there's lots of talk that even happens in our heads. Like I'm not good enough. Oh, uh, tonight might be awesome, but tomorrow morning. When I get up and that voice, you know, you hear like, oh, that was just last night. That doubt creeps in. Could God really use me? That's an inhibitor. Or the voice of your friend who's maybe not (laughs) such a good friend be like, wait, did God really say that? Are you sure? Wait, isn't that going to cost you? What do you mean you're going to sacrifice some of your pay or your job to actually go do that thing that God's asked you to do? All those things are actually inhibitors that come to try and stop. And the Bible even says that, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. The gods come to give us abundant life and to those around us abundant life. So with that, there was three things, there was three keys that um, right now I just felt like we were praying before and felt that um, was coming against us as women um, to inhibit and stop us. And so um there might be more, I'm sure there's many more, but the three um, that we had, one was fear. Could be fear in any way of fear of the cost, fear of comparison, for like, you know, even like that thing of like, oh, God's put this in my hand, but it's like, oh, I want to be like that. I want to be like Carly. I want to worship lead like Carly. Uh-uh. That's not what God's put in my hand. That's what God's put in Carly's hand. And Carly needs to be faithful to that. So fear. The next one, discouragement. Maybe you've been through stuff. Maybe you're like, oh, I tried to step out. There, oh, girls, there were so many moments. There are so many moments. I'm still growing. I'm only 28. There's so much in my life that I'm like, man, I wish I could have done this better. I could have, you know, whatever, whatever it is, but discouragement. And the last one, I'd love um, our guys to come up, so Chris and um, Nath, um, but actually one of the big inhibitors that we noticed and we really wanted to touch on tonight is actually men. I can vouch and I can say that I physically through violence have been been taken advantage of by a man. I've had guys in my world tell me that I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I won't make it. And it's not just guys. I want to say there's ladies out there too that have done that. But in particular, any way that um we've heard a voice of a man that hasn't been loving or encouraging. I feel like tonight God wants to restore a lot. Again, you might have a great dad. You might have the best brother, whatever it looks like. This might not necessarily apply to you, but it might apply to the girl next to you. So we're going to like step into this moment together. So I, I want these guys to share and then we're going to let God move because I really believe that there's actually some freedom moments that God wants to do here to actually set us free from any fear, any discouragement, any way that we've been mistreated in any way but on top of that, there could be other things as well. They were just the three that we wanted to do. So I'm going to hand it over to these guys.
2: Um, so when we're talking about inhibitors, the it's the lies of the enemy that come through real circumstances, um, real people. Satan uses people's voices, whether they mean to or, or don't mean to, to get these lies in our head. Uh, he uses circumstances. And in fact, Satan's first words, recorded words in the scripture are, did God actually say? And his first recorded words to Jesus, right after Jesus got baptized and the father said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. His first words of Jesus were, now, if you're actually the son of God, well, wait, just a few chapters before God said, this is my son. So it's his first and primary tactic is to make us doubt the word of God. And so, I mean, people can come with tons of different opinions, a lot of different sayings that you're true Not true, great, not great. But how did Jesus respond? It is written. It is written, it is written, it is written. That's the only way he responded. So I'm just gonna walk through some scripture and and we're gonna hear what Jesus says about you guys, okay? Um, So you guys, as Maddie said, there's something in your hand, something that you guys are carrying, Everyone has something and God's going to give you a heart for something or is giving you a heart for something or give you a practical circumstance, a solution to give somewhere. But what 100% of you who have a relationship with Jesus has in their hand is the gospel. And this is the power of salvation. And this will be the, the the battery, the the power pack, the source uh, and the, and the motivation that everything you do outflows from. So those those solutions that God's gonna put in your heart to bring, they come out of the gospel as an overflow of the gospel, as an overflow of your life getting changed by the gospel. For while we were still weak, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everyone, all of us are on the same playing field. The cross levels the playing field. Every one of us was weak, ungodly, sinner, and an enemy of God, men, women, everyone. But God, while we were still enemies died because of his great love for us. And so all of us were that lost, but all of us were that loved that God would die for us. And there's a world that needs to hear that message. And you guys have that in your hand. You guys have the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried. And on the third day he rose again, and He is alive. He's alive, and there's heaven later, but there's heaven now. And we're called with the power of the Spirit living in us, our union with Christ, to bring that kingdom here and now. So the cross levels the playing field. There's no one that's counted out. There's no one that's more or less. We're all on the same playing field. we were all that needy, and we were all that loved. Galatians 3 says this there is neither jew nor greek neither slave nor free there is no male nor female for you are all one in christ all of us are one in christ now get this first corinthians 13 uh, 12 27 now you that's all of the collective you you are the body of christ and individually members of it you guys are his hands and feet you are needed. The cross qualifies, but now there's a need. And if it's just a select few, uh, just people who are on stages, just people who have microphones, if it's just one gender or, or another, like we are missing out and there's a need that's not being filled. So gonna go one more right at the beginning, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us like mankind in our own image, humankind in our own image and after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the sea, birds of the heaven, uh, birds of the heavens, livestock, and all kinds of things. So God made mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. If there's only guys out there doing ministry, God is not accurately represented, The image of God is found in male and female. Everyone is needed. The cross qualifies you. And the fact that you're made in the image of God, you're needed. So it's not just like, okay, I'm qualified, cool, I'm accepted by God. No, there's a need. And this world needs to see an accurate representation of Jesus. And that can't be done by just guys. And that can't be done by just girls. Everyone is needed to represent Jesus to a lost and dying world. So you all have something in your hand. You're all qualified because of the cross. You all carry the gospel. And you're all
3: needed. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, if you want to just bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. Just stick out your hands. Just take a deep breath in. Just continue to breathe him in. The air we breathe is him. He is in the air we breathe. I just feel like as we just head into a time of ministry, I'd feel like the Lord was telling me, Nathan, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing us, I'm bringing them back. I'm bringing you back. I'm centering you. He's centering you. As, you. as you sit and as you breathe him in, he's centering you. You can keep your eyes closed if you like, or you can open them. I'm um I'm just going to read one little bit of scripture. I um I felt like the Lord said to me, um, just in preparing for uh, tonight, that He's He's uh, restoring permission where permission was taken, and He's giving permission where permission hasn't been given before. And um, the story that came to me. Um, was the story of how uh, it's in Mark chapter 14 where Mary anoints the head of Jesus. Uh, and we see in this story, um, just before I read, I want to set a little bit of cultural context. Who here likes Bible culture? I do. I think when we when we understand what is written and and how it affected the time that it was written, it brings so much context to how it can affect us now. And so back here in in Mark chapter 14 this is this is right before Jesus um this is right before the Lord's Supper right before Jesus goes to Gethsemane where he prays up on the mountain where he sweats blood um and he and he cries out to the Lord saying take this cup away from me but but the thing that uh I want to highlight here is uh this is this is a story of right before they eat the Passover right before they eat the feast and uh in, in that time and in that culture uh Men would sit around at the table and eat, and women wouldn't actually eat with the men. And so you, you find here a story where uh, Jesus is in Bethany. He's at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who is raised from the dead. And, and he's sitting around the table with his disciples, and they're about to eat the Lord's Supper. And, and Martha is serving the food, um, and, and we're going to pick it up here in verse 3. And it says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil. She broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves. And they said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said to them, let her alone why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me." And so when we understand the cultural context of this story, we, we see a picture where Jesus is at the table with His disciples and, and, the, and Mary and Martha, they're not seated at the table with them. And so we have, we have Mary who musters up the courage to come before Jesus, to come to the table, To a table she's not welcomed at and she cracks open a jar of expensive oil worth 300 denarii which is an insane amount of money that's like thousands of dollars now she cracks open a jar of oil and anoints jesus head for burial she prepared the lord for burial she didn't belong there mary didn't belong there that's what culture said culture said that Mary didn't belong. And it got me thinking, what, what, what does our culture say about women now? What does church culture say about women? What does worldly culture say about women? What, what kind of culture are you living in now? What, what is said about where you belong and where you should be and, and where you shouldn't be and, and what you should be involved in and, and, and what you shouldn't be involved in? Because in in my mind, the the picture that's painted here in the Bible is pretty distorted. But I also think now in our lives, there is a distorted picture that says women belong in this place and only this place. Which isn't the case. As we've just heard, we're 50%, men are 50% and women are 50%. And we have a distorted picture if culture is dictating where where you should be and where you shouldn't be. What's inhibiting you? Where was your permission taken away? Where was it taken away? Uh, that may be different. That would probably be different for every one of you sitting here. Because at some point in time, someone's probably told you, oh no, you can't do this. Oh no, you don't belong here. And the story would be different every time. But that doesn't mean that the story's right. And so just. Just as I was praying for tonight, I feel like the Lord said He wanted to, as I mentioned just before, two areas. He wanted to restore permission where permission was taken, and He wanted to grant permission where permission has never been given before. I'm going to ask you to be brave. I love that the the title of this event, the title of this movement is Brave Love, and and because I think uh, there is something so powerful in seeing women be brave. It's because culture said that says that men should be brave and women should be dainty which is distorted in my mind because i think it's so much more powerful to see a woman be brave than a man because you you are doing something that your physical body may not represent like a man's physical like i'm a big guy so i look big therefore being brave would probably be easier for me than Rach standing here not that she doesn't look brave but you know what i mean culture culture dictates so I want to ask you tonight how big is your brave? How big is your brave? Because what what I believe is that when we when we make acts of physical obedience and we re, when we respond physically to what the Lord is saying that we experience spiritual release in our lives. Physical obedience brings spiritual release. And so I want to I want to invite you to be brave right now. If you feel like there's been a time in your life where permission has been taken away, if you feel like there was there was something that you had so in your heart, you were like, "Oh, this is in my hands, God!" Like this is it, and then someone says, "Like, oh no, that's not for you." Maybe it's been from a man who, uh, maybe it's been from a man who invaded your space without permission. Maybe you've experienced something so painful that you didn't want to happen to you. It could be anything. But I want, to, I want to invite you right now with every eye open in the room to actually stand up. Because I believe that as you stand up, the chains and the shackles that were placed on you from when permission was taken away are about to fall off. So stand up. Be brave. There is breakthrough. There is breakthrough waiting. The Lord doesn't want you to be trapped because of past circumstances and past events. He doesn't want you to be tied down because of pain and and experiences where people said no to you. Just on behalf of men. On behalf of men, I just, I say, I'm sorry. If any of you have stood because of pain and and something that you've experienced caused by a man, on behalf of men, I just want to say, I'm sorry, I repent. I'm sorry for the pain that I've caused you. I'm sorry for stepping into your space when you didn't give me permission. I'm so sorry. will you forgive me will you let go and forgive me just as you let go i i'm just seeing this picture that as as you choose to let go as you choose to release the bondage, as you choose to release the pain, as you choose to release a memory, the Lord is exchanging beauty for ashes. As you hand him this junk, I see him giving you roses. There's beauty for ashes. I just pray that the spirit of restoration would just begin to fall from the top of your heads to the bottom of your feet. You were born for such a time as this, you were born for more than this. on behalf of the fathers in your life. I just say, I'm sorry for the the, the times that I've mistreated you. I'm sorry for the times that I've been too harsh. I'm sorry for the times that I haven't been able to take care of your emotions the way that you needed. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There is so much hope for you. There is so much hope for you. There is so much more for you. if you're not standing up, if you want to just stand up. Yeah, can I just get everyone standing up? The The last thing I want, that I want to pray for applies to all of you. And, and it was what I was sharing about how I feel like God's giving you permission uh, in areas that you've never had permission before. That, he, that He's saying yes to your dreams, that He's saying yes to your visions, that He's saying yes to what's in your hand. And, um, I actually, I actually felt like the Lord told me to get you guys to do something just like a prophetic act. Um, and so if you physically can, could you actually stand on your chair? It's a little bit weird. I'll explain why, but, um, yeah, if you could, could you stand on your chair? Maybe you need a little bit help getting up, get right out there. Yeah. Thank you, God. You guys look really big and really brave now. <laughs> I can't see over the top of you. That's awesome. So the reason why I felt like God was telling me to do this, He put such a strong. He, it's actually funny because He put a real. He put this picture in my mind a couple of days back, and then I only shared with Mads earlier about this, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I saw the same thing. We do that too." And so I was like, "Oh, that's God." Um, So the reason why i'm doing this is actually i saw it it actually comes from this story about mary because you know at the table everyone is seated jesus and the disciples were seated at the table and whether mary was in the other room or she was somewhere else but she had to come and she came to the table but she was risen up above the height of the people at the table. She actually had to, it, it, she actually had to rise up to be an, able to anoint Jesus on the head. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me through this picture, He was saying, Nathan, get them to stand on their chairs, because no matter what their dreams are, no matter what is in their hands, no matter what. Oil is in their jar. No matter what oil is in their jar, I am calling them to rise up. He is calling you to rise up. So if you want to just stretch out your hands, because I believe this is just a moment of impartation, just stretch out your hands and um, picture the thing that the Lord put in your hands just before. Just picture it. And I'm just going to pray for you. Hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come right now. Come with your power. Just pray that the breath of God would just flow in this place. Lord, I just pray for an impartation of courage, of ferocity, audacity, and perseverance to just come upon every woman standing right now. And just on behalf of men. I just say, I give you permission. I give you permission to go, to run hard, to run fast, to become even greater than I. I bless you to speak. I feel like there are some of you that are standing and the thing that the Lord showed you was actually you speaking to people. And if if that was you, I just bless you right now to be able to speak the truth and the word of God with power, not with good words, but with power. And I feel like there was some of you that actually um, the Lord showed you in your hands a picture of you and your kids and the thing that he gave you was motherhood. And I actually just want to tell you right now that that is nothing less than someone getting up and speaking. And if that is actually the picture that the Lord told you, that is the greatest call that He could have given you. Because you are called to raise up the next generation. It's so much more than just being a mum. You're called to raise up the next generation. So if that's just you, I just bless that in your life right now to know that that is nothing less and that is just as great. It is just as powerful. It is just as important.
0: awesome oh it's so good what we just want to do just to end um soon we're like coming to a close um but pretty much it's so funny that nathan had that picture because we actually in brave love with um inhibitors we actually like to fire the inhibitors and what we mean by that is like we want to tell the inhibitor where to go okay and we like to just really have this moment but we actually do stand up and cheer so it's really funny And we we want to take authority and say, you know what, inhibitor, you're not stopping me anymore. In fact, discouragement, fear, any way that men have mistreated me in any way, or women, whatever it looks like, or any other inhibitor, we say no tonight. And we step into being a catalyst. So if that's you, yeah, girls, if that's you, we're going to fire these inhibitors together and then we're going to worship or we're just going to go wild in worship, okay? You can, after, after this moment, you can step down from your chairs and then we'll do some announcements and stuff. But um, pretty much from here, tonight is a defining night if you'd let it be, a life, a life transformational night that we can say, you know what, enough is enough. My generation needs me. The girl next to me needs me. If I don't, ar- if I don't rise, then who will? So, if you're ready, we're gonna shout all together. It's gonna be fun. So you can just do a repeat after me. Say Jesus. Jesus! Say Jesus. Jesus! I, say yes I say yes. To whatever you put in my hands. Hand. I, yes I say yes. To rise up. To rise up. To let oh. name in Jesus name amen do we feel good amazing you girls can like pop down for a second you can stay standing if you want but in this moment before we move on I just um yeah you can say hi to the girl next to you I hope you feel a bit more free and I don't know there might have been other inhibitors tonight in your bedroom jump up on that bed and you tell that inhibitor where to go right? You have, you can use that whenever you need to. Sometimes in my car, I'm like, I oh, say yes! <laughs> the person next to me in the car probably is like, what is that girl doing? But in this moment, girls, in this moment, not only did we want a fire inhibitors, not only do we want to say yes to this generation, but girls, it would be an absolute disservice to you to let you walk out of this room without having a personal, one-on-one, radical, deep, true, authentic relationship with Jesus. If you've never invited Jesus into your, night, into your life, then tonight, it is the night. There's no more delay. There's no more waiting. He loves you. The gospel is so simple and we've probably heard it a thousand times or maybe not. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever, would believe in him, would believe in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. That the way to salvation is by simply believing the truth of the gospel is that Jesus died for you, that He is God, that He was sent as Jesus in the form of Jesus as a man to earth to die upon a cross in your place to take your sin, to take your shame, to restore relationship with God. We couldn't do it, but Jesus, as God, came in the form of man to die in our place, and by simply believing upon him. And believing in your heart that he died for you, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. But then on top of that, I don't want to preach a gospel that's just like, preach, say a quick prayer. No, if you truly believe this in your heart, it becomes a life transformation to the point where the Bible says you cross over from death to life that the old man is gone, gone and the new man, the new woman has come. You get radically changed. And is it a journey? Yes. But you have a best friend. It's the only way to be saved. It's the only way to really get to heaven, yes, but also to experience what Chris was saying, heaven on earth here. And maybe everyone here knows Jesus. But if there's just one of you who doesn't, then it would be such an honour to just see you come to know Jesus tonight. So what we're going to do is, um, just in this moment, I'm going to ask, again, we've already had bold moments. We're a family, little family, that if you've never invited Jesus into your, into your life, then tonight is the night. Really quickly, there was a girl at a college campus. She walked into an event similar to this, and she declared that she was an atheist. She said, you know what? Stuff it. I don't believe what you guys believe I don't even know why I'm here she ends up walking inside the worship band just starts playing simply like these guys and something happens on the inside she's like what is going on in my heart right now she's like I'm feeling something I'm experiencing something what is this she walks into the room declaring to be an atheist and then God starts it's God she he starts doing something on the inside of her to show hey I love you girl I'm actually real girl then the simple gospel is preached just like I just got to share then, she ends up, because of that feeling, because of that moment, that stirring on the inside, she ends up giving her life to Jesus in that moment. And it was incredible. Our team was like, yes, come on. From walking in an atheist to walking out knowing Jesus and having personal relationship. But the goodness of God is He doesn't stop there. What she then told us is that she had just written a suicide note to kill herself that week. She'd walked in with scars all up and down her arms and said, you know what, tonight is the night that I'm going to kill myself all this week and I've got scars all up and down my arms from all the, self, the self-hatred the self that... Um, I've been placing my arms through like cutting. What happened then is after giving her life to Jesus, she tells her team that she wanted to commit suicide before walking in. We then have the opportunity and the privilege of going and baptising her in a bathtub. We do that. We're a bit wild. You'll see in a second. I have a video for you. She ends up then getting baptised Girl, she goes into the water with scars up and down her arms. She comes out, no scars. All gone. So tonight you might not have physical scars, but what would it look like? If we looked at your heart right now, are there scars on the inside? Do you need an inner healing? Jesus can change that. Jesus wants to fix that. So in this moment, as women, not a religious experience, can we just bow our heads, close our eyes, whatever we need to do? Jesus I pray for every single woman here if they do not know you I just declare tonight is the night of salvation no more delay no more hindering no more wondering is is God real, is God not I pray God for true relationship if that's you tonight on the count of three would you just lift your hand one, he loves you two, he died for you three, if that's you just lift your hand tonight thank you Jesus if you just want to experience salvation, what it is to have a real relationship with Jesus, do you just like lift your hand really bold? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel to just wait one second. Girl, if you're stirring a little bit, if you're like, Ugh, I don't know, or if you don't know where you stand with Jesus, that's even more sometimes you're like, I don't know where I stand. If you don't know where you stand, would you just lift your hand tonight? It's okay. We're just a family. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, girl. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, thank you, girl. Amazing. Come on. There's hands going up. If you don't know where you stand with Jesus tonight, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. I believe one more. Is there one more? There's nothing to be ashamed about. It's the best thing ever. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. All right, as a family, let's say all together, and if this is you praying this for the first time or recommitting your life, awesome. Just mean it from your heart. Let's say together, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believed you were raised to life for me. I confess you as Lord. Jesus, I give you my heart. I choose to follow you tonight my life changes I don't need to wonder anymore where I stand with you I am saved I am righteous I have relationship with you I choose to follow you for the rest of my life I repent of all my sin I turn to you tonight I am forgiven I am free in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's just give it up for these girls. Wow. There's about three, or three of you. If you did make that decision, we just want to like touch base with you. Like seriously, it is the best decision. But then the last thing I want to say is that you need a sisterhood. You need a family. So we just want to touch base with you. The last thing is with Brave Love and we're going to have one worship song, go to announcements and give each other big hugs. But Brave Love, the reason I love Brave Love so much is I've never met a company of women joining together to say, hey, I believe in you. So with that, we have this thing called No Daylight. What it means pretty much is that between Carly and I, we shouldn't have daylight. In other words, is like Carly's got my back and I've got Carly's back, but I am someone who wants to radically champion on Carly. Like no more of this, our generation knowing women as gossipers, as, oh, talking behind her back. Oh, Carly's got a good voice. I think I could do better. Wait, no. In fact, in front of everyone, I want to honour her. She flew from the Sunshine Coast on a random thing that I was like, girl, would you come and worship lead Brave Love? I believe there's a calling on your life. And she was like, I'll pray about it. She said yes and she's here. And look how God's used her tonight. Carly, we need you. We need you in the body of Christ. We need your voice. You are anointed and you're a leader. And you're going to see so many. This is just the start, but we need you. And so I just want to say as brave love, women, let's get our girls, any girl that you know ever, let's be the biggest champion, cheerleader of them, radically encouraged.